0: So welcome to Exodus 19, a nation married to Yah, with your host Richard Massey. I pray that you guys are having a blessed Sabbath, and I pray also that whatever you and your family are going through, that Yah gives you the strength to go through it, and that a lot of families are going through with the war over in in Israel against Hamas. A lot of people dying lately uh mass shootings things of that nature the man who uh shot up the uh the city in massachusetts that took its own life and not to even mention the, the regular stuff that's going on every day in the neighborhoods <clears throat> a lot of people are dying and uh It's just really sad, but I hope that God gives you the strength to go through it. And I know that's easier to say than to do, but I hope you get through it. So today we're going to go back, because I can't get away from this book. We're going to go back to Hebrews 12. We're going to go back to Hebrews, but this time we're going to be in 12. This book has been one of the hardest books for me in the last four years to explain along with uh, Galatians and, and Ephesians. But I'm feeling like I'm starting to understand what the author of this book is talking about per chapter as I learn about it. And I think that this chapter is talking about keeping your focus. And this chapter is talking about keeping your faith. So we could start at Hebrews 12, 1. It says, We too then, having such such so great a cloud of witnesses all around us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us let us run with endurance the race set before us. We too then having so great a cloud of witness all around us prophets of old, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, most all the greats that have done very well in the Bible they're not watching us we're watching them, what did they do in this situation, how did they approach Yah in this situation there's such a cloud there, a great cloud of witness that's not watching us, but we should be watching them to see how we should get and walk through certain things in our life. We ought to to lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily entangles us. It's stuff we're about to do today. We should look back and see what they did. And I know you might say, well, that's not relevant because the things today are different than how they were back then. But in a lot of aspects, it's not. Because they follow covenant commandment, and we don't, for the most part. And let us run with endurance the race set before us. 12-2. Looking to the priestly leader and the perfecter of our belief, Yahweh who for the joy that was set before him endured the stake. Let's watch him. Let's be a witness to him. What did he do? Having despised the shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of Elohim. Let him be a witness to us. For consider him who endured such opposition from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and faint in your lives. you have not yet resisted unto blood striving against sin Five, and you have forgotten the appeal which speaks to you as to sons my son do not despise the discipline of Yahweh nor faint when you are reproved by him so what does that mean again when I'm honoring the Sabbath right I don't despise what he's Doing to me because I am used to Saturday being the first day off of me uh, running errands and repairing stuff and cutting the grass and, you know, just relaxing and going out and buying and eating and doing the things that I want to do. But he's telling me here in five, don't despise the discipline of Yahweh. This is a light affliction for me. This has preparing me for something. So let me explain this again. When Yahweh says in the commandments to honor the Sabbath, right? There's a part of you that don't want to do it. But when you're doing it, because he said it, when you're doing it, that's your faith. Because what does the scripture say? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. When Yah told Abraham to go to a place that he would show him, faith is the substance of things hoped for. In Abraham, walking to that destination, it was unseen. It was that him walking is the evidence of something that's not even seen yet. And a lot of times I used to hear that faith is believing that you're getting that house. Faith is believing that you're getting that car. Faith is believing that you're going to be healed. But let's do a disclaimer in the contract. Could we be well taken care of, even healed, if we simply followed the commandments? Because every time we use scripture that talks about something promised, if you look higher up, you might find that that was in context with keeping something, right? Because look at five. It says, and you have forgotten the appeal which makes you, to speak to you as the sons. My son, do not despise the discipline of Yahweh, nor fake when you are approved by him. So it's telling you that when he's telling you to do something in regards to the covenant commandment, and it might not be something that you want to do. He's telling you not to despise what you believe to be the discipline of Yahweh. Nor faint. You do it once and then you don't do it no more. You don't want to do it. You do it drudgingly. Nor faint when you are reproved by him. And I used to look at this as everybody else on Saturday is running around, enjoying their Saturday, running around, enjoying their Friday night. Not that I go out. And here, at 6 p.m. Friday, I shut my body down until 6 p.m. Saturday. And I don't understand it, but it's the faith of something unseen, of not seen. It's, that's the reason why I'm doing it. Six, for whom Yahweh loves, he disciplines and flogs every son whom he receives. He's training you. He's teaching you. He's using you as a seal to see which one is standing out amongst the world. Seven says, if you endure discipline, Elohim is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become sharers, then you are are legitimate, illegitimate, and not his son's. Now, Moreover, we indeed had fathers of our flesh uh, disciplining us and we paid them respect after my father, which that really happened because I was such a good kid, disciplined me. He would then apologize. But for the most part, when a parent disciplines us, they would come and hug us and make us laugh and give us a treat and explain to us why they did what they did. And then everything would be good and we wouldn't do it no more. Or maybe we did. It says, but if you are without discipline, of which all have become sharers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Moreover, we indeed have fathers of our flesh disciplining us, and we pay them respect. Shall we not much rather be subject to the father of spirits and live? So pay your father some respect. Don't take it personal. He's training you. He's building you up in your most holy faith. 10. For they indeed disciplined us for a few days as seemed best to them, but he does it for our profit so that we might share his apartness. He wants you to sit on the right hand with him. Right? He wants us to sit there because Up top, it says that uh, in two, it says looking to the priestly leader and perfecter of our belief, Yahweh, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the stake, having despised the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of Elohim. Let me go to Revelations 2. Go to Revelations 3. 321. Come on, Revelations, pop up for me. All right. Let's go to 321. Because he wants you to be sitting next to him. He wants to share that throne with you. It says, To him who overcomes, I shall give to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. So I'm not just making that up. That's what he wants. He says, he who has an ear, let him hear with the spirit, or the ruach, says to the assembly. So he wants you there. Because when the father is putting him through a situation, and he makes it through, and he gets to sit at the right hand of the throne. Now he's putting you through a situation. And then when you do well, he wants you to sit next to him on the right hand of the throne. So where were we? We were down to 11. And indeed, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but grievous. But afterward, it yields the peaceable fruits of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So strengthen the hands which hang down in the weak knees, like those kids who have thrown a tantrum. Straighten up your body because Yah is allowing something to happen in your life. He's allowing these wars to happen cuz he's shaking up the atmosphere. And you know a lot of those sifting screens when they're looking for gold and they're shaking the debris inside the screen and all the dirt is falling out at the bottom and the gold is going to remain in the in the plate. That's the way it's going to be in the end time. The Bible describes this as a woman in childbirth. The weather, the water, the food, the riots, the wars. Everything's being shaken. You know what else is being shaken? Your faith. Because depending on what what denomination you are, depending on what religion you are, depending on how deep you are in your word, how far away from the word you are. You're being shaken and you're going to be tested. And there's a sifting of the plate being moved. And the dirt is falling out the bottom part of it. And just the gold's going to remain to be used. The valuable gold, the valuable word of Yah, Yahshua HaMashiach, is going to remain in the screen to be collected up. So it's telling you to strengthen your hands, which hang down in the weak knees. Stop throwing a tantrum that you don't want to honor the Sabbath. And you don't want to celebrate the feast. And you don't want to do the other commandments which all indicate the love towards YAH and treating your neighbor right. Stop throwing tra- tantrums and straighten up your body and focus on his word and listen for his voice. And make straight paths for your feet. Lest the lame be turned aside, but instead to be healed. Pursue peace with all, and pursue apartness without which no one shall see the master. It says, see to it that no one falls short of the favor of Elohim. That no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, by which many become defiled. You see what I'm saying? Slowly being... Uh, Sifted out, and it says to where even the very elect, depending on what you believe, depending on what you've been studying, depending on what you've been uh uh, uh, uh practicing, all these wars and all these uh, bad things are going to affect your faith. It's going to have you doing stuff because it's not. It's going to show if your stuff was, and that fire was able to. Go through that fire. That's in First Corinthians, right? The hay, the wood, and the stone, the trials and tribulations are gonna see if your stuff is going to get burned, affected by the world's situation. 16. Lest there be anyone who whores or profanes one, like Esau, who for a single meal sold his birthright. So Esau had the world ahead of him but because he wanted something that was not in his grasp at the time he says i'll give up all my my what i have for a pot of stew and we do that today you is trying to show you that you're a zedek of righteousness that you can have the right side of the throne but you're changing it and you're turning it in to do the things that the world is doing. Because right now it looks so fun and it looks pleasing to the eye. And you're trading in your birthright. You don't even know that you're a royal priesthood. And you're out here killing people. So just like Esau, you're giving up your birthright for where it appears to be shiny and sparkling right now in your eyes. For you know that afterward, when he wished to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place for repentance, though he sought it with tears. He cried like a baby when he sat before his father. And his father said, I only had one blessing. And even though he sought it with tears, emotionally, he really was sorry that he did what he did and he thought that his father had a second blessing, there was none. There was none. And don't go before the father asking him if there was a second blessing because your intentions were right. And he's telling you all along that they're not. It says, for you have not drawn near to a mountain torched and scorched with fire and to blackness and darkness from and storm. Where is that from? That's Exodus 19. Remember when he said that the people said that all that you will do, all that you want, they will do it. And he said, tell them to stay away from their wives because I'm coming down on the third day. The Bible described the mountain when he was descending down on the mountain. He was saying, don't even come up and don't even let the animals come up. Hebrews twelve eighteen is starting to reflect on Exodus 19. Another indication that he's talking about covenant commandment. For you have not drawn near to a mountain touched and storked with fire and to blackness and darkness and storm. And the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words so that those who heard it begged. That no further words should be spoken to them. Remember when they told Moshe, you go up and talk to him and we'll stand back here. It's Exodus 19. So why is Exodus, so why is Hebrew 12 talking about Exodus 19? It says, for they could not bear what was commanded. If even a beast touched a mountain, it shall be stoned or shot through with an arrow. And so fearsome was the sight that Moshe said, I exceedingly fear and tremble. But you have drawn near to Mount Zion and to a city of the living Elohim, to the heavenly Jerusalem, to a maraud of messengers, to the entire gathering and assembly of the firstborn having been enrolled in heaven. And to Elohim, the judge of all, and to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, and to Yahweh, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling, which speaks better than the blood of Abel. All this is talking about Exodus 19. All this happened at Exodus 19. Right? And the new covenant. And to the blood of sprinkling, remember, it was blood ratified. It was blood ratified. Which speaks better thing better that speaks better than the blood of Abel. Take heed not to refuse the one speaking. For if those did not escape who refused the warning on earth, much less we who turn away from him from heaven. Exodus nineteen. How was he Hebrews twelve? Slowly goes back into Exodus 19, whose voice shook the earth then. But now he has promised saying, yet once more, I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. He's shaking it up. God's doing this on purpose. He's testing your faith. He's testing your faith. 27, in this, yet once more makes clear the removal of what is shaken. Huh? It's like a woman in Travail. She's having a baby. And these things that are happening. 15 minutes apart. Then they're 10 minutes apart. Then they're 5 minutes apart. And 3. And then the baby comes. Which means Yeshua comes. And are we ready? 27. And this yet once more makes clear the removal of what is shaken. Whatever is not his whatever is not on a good foundation is falling down and breaking and falling through the bottom as having been made so that the unshaking matters might remain. As having been made so that the unshaken matters might remain. Therefore, receiving the unshakable reign, let us hold the favor through which we serve Elohim Pleasing with reverence and awe. Be amazed. Because just because you think he's losing, it's not. 29. For indeed, our Elohim is a consuming fire. I love Hebrews, man. I love Hebrews so much. And this points another chapter that's proven that it's about covenant commandment. Because if you were confused from Hebrews 1 to 17, then you see in 18, he goes right into the things that happened in Exodus 19, which to me, backs up and confirms to me, which I know confirms to you, even if you don't, even if you don't admit it. Because Exodus 19 is where they took the promise of the covenant commandment, where it was blood ratified. And it was a covenant confirming meal to it. That even in Exodus, I mean Hebrews 12, and in a lot of the chapters of different books that I've been showing you, even in Hebrews, always go back to Abraham. Always go back to the Levites. Always brings up when they messed up with the golden calf. Well, he always brings up the promise. Well, he compares himself to the Levitical priesthood, how he's a better promise, how he's a better covenant. Because whereas they have to go in and um, make sacrifices to cleanse up the nasty, dirty stuff that they did, he never has to do that. And with the blood of the animals that they used, he used his own blood. So that's why it's a better covenant. Where they're going to die off and have to be elected or chosen in, he lives forever. And when I said before that they have to go in and make repentance for all the things that they've done, he's ready for you now because he's not a sinner. And he doesn't have to waste time cleansing himself because he's always clean. So we can go boldly to the throne ourselves, because he's always ready, standing by, waiting on you. But these other priests, they get older, they die off, they have to be elected or selected in. He is forever Melchizedek of righteousness, waiting for you, his Zadik, of righteousness, to sit next to him on the right hand. It's about covenant commandment. And this is just a reminder that this podcast is also on Spotify and Instagram and on YouTube. And I'm live on YouTube as well. So don't forget to like my page or to share my page where it applies. And don't forget to hit the notification button. And don't forget to subscribe. And I pray that you guys stay strong and that you guys have a good shalom. Peace out, man. Peace out.